Hello, everybody listening out there, and welcome back to the Lenient Critic Podcast. My name is Rowan Wood. I am the founder and editor and writer of the Lenient Critic, uh, the Lenient Critic himself, some might say. And uh, joining me today, uh, it's been a while since his last podcast appearance, but we are glad to have him back. It's Chris Bacher. Welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Hello, Rowan. Thank you for having me back. Anytime. Uh, so today... We have reviews of two movies that are in theaters now and previews of two that are coming in the next couple of weeks. And, of course, we will uh, finish up with talking about what we've been watching lately. Um, but, yeah, so th we have two uh, – the two main subjects of discussion today uh, came out on the same day, at least here in the U.S. Uh, and, uh, Chris, which one would you like to talk about first, The Northman or The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? I think there's more to say about the Northman personally, so maybe do the Nick Cage movie first. Let's do the Nick Cage movie first. This yeah. is the unbearable weight of massive talent. What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor? No. <laughs> what did he say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Tell the trades it was a tremendous honor to be a part of storytelling and myth-making. Ah, fuck, man. I'm driving through the hills. I'm sorry. One more time. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's the easiest gig ever. You play yourself. What do we know about this guy anyway? Is he into something strange? It's not like he's gonna want you to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch you watch him fuck his wife. I wouldn't think so. Welcome to Mallorca, Mr. Cage. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Is Javi gonna want me to, uh... Claim Javi. Nick Cage. Creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, Nick Cage must accept a $1 million offer to attend the birthday of a dangerous superfan. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when Cage is recruited by a CIA operative and forced to live up to his own legend, channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. That was a long synopsis. Suffice it to say, uh, this is the ultimate Nick Cage movie, uh, and anyone who, see, who saw the trailer uh, can attest to that. Chris, what did you think of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? I really quite loved it, and I don't think I was expecting to love it. I mean, I, I did see the trailer for it, and that made me think, oh, this is like a fun spin on like Nick Cage's career, and it's something that he... Uh, looks like he could have fun with. I I had no idea that this would basically be Nick Cage the movie, right? Uh, even though that might have been obvious. But uh, yeah, I know I know that some people probably were expecting this to be crazier than it is. Um, but for me, this was actually kind of like the perfect level of crazy. Um, like I've heard some people say that they were hoping for like being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. um, but what we got was more like Tropic Thunder, which I'm very much okay with. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think this is my second favorite movie of the year so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, I am right there with you. Uh, I believe it was, it, it was number two for me. And then the Northman bumped it out of that spot. Um, mm. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll get to that soon. So, uh, yeah, I was really, really excited for this. I did expect to love it. I just didn't expect to love it as much. Um, you know, it it takes Cage, the person, fictionalizes him a little bit, but, you know, keeps what 
it it keeps the public perception of what Nicolas Cage might be in real life. I highly doubt this is what he he's really like. Um, but I hope not. <laughs> right? Yeah. He 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 invents a character like a caricature of himself that I don't know many actors would be able to do. I think this is something that is very unique to him, just based off of his filmography. And people might think, oh, he plays crazy characters, so he must be crazy in real life. And this movie plays into that a lot and i don't think it would work as well if it didn't um and you know uh, in keeping with with what you said i do appreciate that it never quite goes into the uh you know like uh, any sort of supernatural or you know like too high concept route because you know despite being pretty insane this is relatively naturalistic and and true to life um while also being very heightened and and uh you know utilizing what people would expect from a Nicolas Cage movie um to to create as i mentioned before i do believe this is hope and and will hopefully be known as the ultimate Nicolas Cage movie um cuz i really do think that that was what they were going for yeah i don't i don't know if you could engineer a movie that is more explicitly nick cage <laughs> than this necessarily you'd have to really try and you'd have to i think you'd have to forego a lot of things that just make a movie watchable in order to get there i think this is the best you can do while just making a movie that's fun to watch um you could you could go very far in the other direction to just say well nick we we all know you're an extreme sort of absurdist actor so just do whatever and yeah that wouldn't make for for like a very compelling film in, at the end of the day. I think this is probably, yeah, the, the best you can do in terms of Nick Cage the movie. Um, I do think it does kind of play with some sort of elements about about Nick Cage as an actor and what makes him so memeable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how far we're going to go into spoilers on, on just the main show. Yeah, um, we'll do a little like a <clears throat> a shorter spoiler episode for this in the Northman afterward. Um, but here, yeah, just you know, dance around any any specific plot. Elements, yeah, I guess. Uh, let's just say that there's there's a little bit of like an internal dialogue that Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. has in this movie, and there it does sort of play with like, okay, who is Nicolas Cage the actor, and who is Nicolas Cage the character, and it almost. It's almost like it tries to say, well, well, the actual extremities of Nicolas Cage as a performer don't come from him as a person. Right. Um, there's this, you know, separate thing that that comes from, and that allows him to be much more of a person in in the moments that it's required that he is not extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's very hard to say what Nicolas Cage is actually like in real life, but. Mm-hmm. I think they did about as good a job as, as they could have while still clinging on to the fact, well, hey, remember how crazy Nicolas Cage gets? Well, here's some of that. Right. And, you know, it never feels it never feels mean, I guess. <clears throat> it never really feels like they are making fun of him to a brutal degree. This this is a movie made completely uh, out of love for Nicolas Cage and the and the person he is and the movies he, he's made. It literally starts off with a couple in a fancy bedroom watching a Nicolas Cage movie and talking about how much they love Nicolas Cage. This is like this is a movie that is very much in love with Nick Cage and it knows its audience is going to be in love or rather its intended audience is in love with Nick Cage. Um, and so that like that's the. I, I believe that's the place where this movie is 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 uh, is coming from. 
Yeah, I mean, and they reinforce that really throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's about him attending this birthday party for a super fan, but along the way, almost every main character has some sort of anecdote about a, a movie they watched that they loved that he was in. So they do keep coming back to that idea that like everyone has a favorite Nick Cage movie, even if you don't necessarily love Nick Cage. And I do think there's some truth in that because he has such, such a varied career. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they mention like leaving Las Vegas or raising Arizona or right. <laughs> much of his early work. Like a lot of it is focused in that '90s action leading up to like current day. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, Mandy gets more attention than like his, his Oscar-winning performance. <laughs> right, right, right. I feel like you know, especially Mandy is a relatively recent one, and so they know that you know the the younger audience would probably is more likely to recognize it. Than they True, would, and I do wonder there. how how much there still is in terms of like recognizing Nick Cage now as the person who who won an Oscar for right. Las Vegas. Right. Um, we haven't even mentioned Pedro Pascal yet. Uh, I think he he is a, a brilliant scene partner, and he like his energy here is almost on Nick Cage's level, which is ridiculously hard to do, um, especially in you know the ultimate Nick Nick Cage movie. And whenever they were on screen together. I just loved watching them. They clearly were having the best time. And I always find that movies are more fun when it's very clear that the actors are, are having fun or else they're very good at acting like they're having fun. Um, and, uh, and, and this was definitely one of the best, you know, sort of uh, unexpected odd pairings that I've seen recently in a movie. It was definitely like, like a comedy pairing that I did not know would work as well as it does. Mm-hmm. I believe Pedro Pascal has said that he is actually a Nicolas Cage super fan, which mm-hmm. I completely believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, watching this movie. But yeah, just seeing the two of them commit to the bit is the main draw of the film for me. That's actually absolutely what makes it work. And that is what makes makes the jokes work. Um, I think if they're not fully into it, it's absurdist to a level where you might start to wonder what you're even watching. Um, but just the way that their energy matches completely everything that's going on is really the thing that made this movie sing for me. I, mm-hmm. I love them together. Um, right. Which isn't, which isn't to say that it's not absurd at all. It does get like, it does get really out there. But oh yeah. Again, it's in a, like, it's in a very believable way that the way that these characters are set up, the way that the situation's set up, the lengths that it goes to make perfect sense within the context of what they've established. I think so. Yeah. And I mean, I think it also helps like you have Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz playing CIA operatives, which they probably wouldn't play those roles in any other movie. Right. Um, it, 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 it works. It really does work to heighten the, the absurdity of Nicolas Cage becoming like a CIA recruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just, I think it's perfectly casted across the board, basically. And the same goes for, for Sharon Horgan, who plays his wife. Like, she is also basically written to be up on Nicolas Cage's level uh, as his ex-wife. Yeah. Um, like if, if those side characters were written to be normal people within a world where Nick Cage is Nick Cage, then I think the tonal disparity would have been a little bit too far. But just because everything is on that same level, it's almost as if like the entire movie rises to the level of like Nick Cage absurdity, which mm-hmm. is pretty much perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of that, that tonal disparity, I think the film really avoids um, being 
you know, trying to be many different genres because the trailers made it seem like it might be a spy thriller. It might be a buddy comedy. We're not really sure. But I feel like the, you know, the spy action elements are not as pronounced in the like in the movie as you might might think. It's really a for lack of a better word, you know, it's not particularly deep, but it's a character study of Nicolas Cage through the context of here, we're going to put him in this absolutely insane situation. But everything that happens is to service his character and those um, around him. And, you know, I feel like it never delves too deep into the, uh, you know, in, into the, um, like the spy thriller subgenre. I, that's a surprisingly, you know, not major part of the movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, everything is done very well and it's all very funny. There are a lot of jokes in here that my theater was was cracking up. Like, like I'm not going to say people were falling out of their seats, but it felt like some people might. Um, yeah, it was it was just at an absolute delight to watch in a crowded theater with people who were obviously Nicolas Cage fans. Yeah, that surprised me as well. Like, I don't know how much you probably don't know a lot about Dutch film going audiences, but we t we tend to be enormously reserved. Like I saw like the Avengers movies in opening night, and you you could basically hear a pin drop if it wasn't for wow. like the loudness of of the actual movie. Right. We're not a cheering, screaming, like applauding uh, a culture. Mm -hmm. So the fact that people were actually just like <laughs> like leaning over other chairs laughing. Uh, yeah, that that did say something, um, but yeah, as to, going back to what you said, like about the the multiple like genres that the movie leans towards, and as you said, it is really all about like how those things uh, affect Nick Cage and how he himself considers those things. Like even the the spy thriller um, sort of set piece that they have in in that security closet or whatever he. He's approaching that like, how would I, as an actor, use my skills in order to to become a CIA operative? Like, it is really all about him and having to prove to himself that he is still a good actor and that he can still like perform. So, yeah, it is basically all about that. And even when it gets to spoiler, spoiler, spoiler stuff, <laughs> um, it, yeah, it really is all about him like having to prove himself mostly to himself. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was that was another like neat little angle to to like yeah. tie everything up together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. So that is the unbearable weight of massive talent. It's in theaters now. Uh, if you are going to watch uh, one meta movie about unhinged actors starring Pedro Pascal that was released in April of 2022, please watch this movie instead of uh, The Bubble. Uh, this one is oh my god, so much better. Chris, did you see The Bubble? No, I, I heard all of the warnings. I saw all of the uh, the red flags from from the people at right. Sif and I I thought, well, uh, that's that's a wide berth for me. <laughs> yeah, not the worst movie I've ever seen, but what a phenomenal misfire from everyone involved. Anyway, let's talk about a much better movie. Uh, let's talk about The Northman. Father. Fiona. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fiona. 
Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who's on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. Um, you could uh, Anyone who's seen the trailers could probably quote that last bit to you with the names in there. Um, yeah. Uh, so I saw The Northman in uh in one of the best theaters so i saw it with fellow sif pop writer foster and he brought me to one of the best theaters in new york city apparently for uh picture quality and sound which definitely made the uh made the experience very notable um chris what was your what was your experience like seeing the northman so yeah the uh the unbearable weight of massive grudges um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah i think the experience i think is the right word this was this was a movie that I am incredibly grateful that I took the time to go see in a theater, mm-hmm. um, partially spurred on by your invitation to be on the podcast today. So thank you very much, Rowan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think if if I would have seen this just at home on on like a streaming service or whatever, I would not have liked this movie at all. Mm-hmm. I find that's that's typically a, a Robert Eggers thing. Have you seen his other films, Chris? I have not seen The Lighthouse, and the reason for that is that I hate The Witch. Interesting. Okay. All right. <clears throat> yeah, Lighthouse might not be for you then. I watched The Lighthouse yeah. um, right before – so I watched it on my TV at home right before I had a virtual uh, final oral exam for English class. That was oh. a, a, one of the worst choices I've ever made because that movie got in my head. Uh, <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I am a much bigger Eggers fan than, uh, than than you, Chris. But did the Northman change your mind at least a little bit about him? Um, I mean, like everything about this does show that he can direct the hell out of a movie. And like, I'm I'm a lot more impressed with the movie than I enjoyed it. Um, so so all of my like all of my positive experiences for the movie were like purely in the technical categories. It is a gorgeous movie to look at. It is exceptionally well put together in terms of choreography and cinematography and the performances are all great. I just didn't care about any of it. That's uh, totally, totally reasonable. I know, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that this is the most, uh, you know, like accessible Western, uh, uh, not, not, not Western, um, accessible uh, Eggers film. Uh, of the three that he's made, which I agree with, but still it's not nearly as, you know, as like straight Western accessible that the trailers would have you think the trailers make it seem to be just a, you know, just a typical, you know, revenge action, violent movie. And it's, you know, very much. It is all of those things. It is, but it's still very much a weird spiritual existential Eggers movie with um, a lot of Norse mythology, um, which is one element that I really, really uh, enjoyed. And um, just a lot of, for lack of a better word, weirdness. I know that's a very blanket term, but Eggers does have a lot of that in, in most of his movies. He's somewhat restrained here. Um, but, you know, there is the occasional uh, scene that has, you know, things that cause people to walk out of the theater, like happened with my showing. And I'm, I, I've heard have happened with a lot of my friend showings uh, as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious as to what, what those moments were, because I'd been told that, yeah, this is an accessible ver- uh, movie for Robert Eggers, um, but it still has his weirdness. And I didn't necessarily consider anything that happened here to be exceptionally weird like there are 
Uh, obviously, there, there are those uh, shots that are purely like mythologically inspired, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of imagery that goes back to Norse mythology, which I am generally a fan of. Right. So, yeah, maybe maybe that shielded me from the fact that it might be perceived as weird by other people, but I didn't necessarily see anything that made me think like, oh, if you're not prepared for this, this this will really freak you out, or it'll turn you right. away, or. Right. And it is also uh, very much uh, an action movie. There's a great uh, one, uh, you know, supposed one take uh, sh- uh, scene where um, Prince Amleth, once he becomes a Viking, uh, ransacks a Slav village. Um, and just, you know, just the, the way that it shot, the like everything that, that went into it. I've read interviews with Eggers. Like he, he is very meticulous about everything, which you can definitely see while watching this movie. It's all very carefully put together. Um, but just the amount of technical achievement here is just staggering. Um, and just like some of the visuals and, and shot choices um, and, uh, you know, visual effects here too. There's, uh, this one is more, uh, effects heavy, I'd say than, um, than some of his other ones, which is to say there weren't many visual effects there and there are some here. Um, yeah, there, there are some scenes yeah. that you really can't feasibly shoot physically. I think right. yeah. <laughs> that Absolutely. would have been, yeah, no insurance company would have, would have approved that. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, the cast, Chris. What did you think of the cast? We have, of course, Alexander Skarsgård as um, as uh, adult Amleth, Anya Taylor Joy, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke. The Kleist uh, 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 Bang plays um, uh, Uncle Fjolnir, and um, uh, Willem Dafoe, of course, is in there. Uh, and yeah. um, brief uh, appearance from Kate Dickey as well, which I'm yes. not expecting to see in such a small role. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and uh, Ralph Innocent uh, as well is one of the is one of the yep. ship captains too, um, which you know I mean they they were absent from the lighthouse, so it, it makes sense that that Eggers would try to get them in here, um, at least for mm-hmm. uh, for for a small role. But yeah, um, so so what did you think of the performances here? Uh, you know, it might be just the leads or the whole cast. I mean, I think performances are are great across the board. My my issue more with. Uh, with with the story of the film is is in the, I mean I, look, I I understand that it's probably not intended to be um, a movie that has you like rooting for the lead. Yeah, I don't absolutely. I don't think you're you're supposed to want him to succeed necessarily, um, but I would like to have somebody that I can root for, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean Anya Taylor Joy, it comes the closest to that. But, like, her character is wet paper. Like, there is almost nothing there. And I, f- I feel like like she's probably the person you're supposed to be rooting for just because she's the only person who comes across as a good person. Um, but, yeah, just being the only good person in a movie is not... I don't consider that to be enough to want to root for someone. Like, I want her to be okay. Um... But yeah, that's that's really the thing that was missing for me. I think everybody does what they're uh, what what they're given to do very well, uh, especially Ethan Hawke. I loved him at the start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there there's not a whole lot to a lot of these characters, and I thought that was a shame. Right. Which you know, I mean, if you know the story, you know this is of course. Um, so I've heard a lot of people say that this is based on Shakespeare's Hamlet, which 
in I've heard that Hamlet is yes. based on this. Hamlet is based on this. Yes, uh, Amleth was a was a mythological character who inspired Hamlet. You know, just take the H from the end and throw it to the front, and you get a a, a very inspired name by Mister uh, Bill Shakespeare. You do, um, yeah. So, so whoever switched that up is really just a hack. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Shakespeare is a, is a fraud. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know so, if this is the first that you're hearing. That. I mean, oh, Shakespeare yeah, 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 has no, no, has yeah. some detractors. Ab absolutely. Um, but the fact that this is, you know, this is, you could accuse this story of being, you know, like very stereotypical and cliche. True, it is. But that's because it's adapting the story that invented these cliches, which is, you know, which is an excuse that you can shoot back at a lot of like at a lot of stuff that's based on classic works. Um, but as long as, in my opinion, the reason why these stories are fascinating and interesting to me is because it does something different and comes with a new take on the material. And I think the Northman does that quite well in that it is uh, in, very inventive in its imagery and its execution in ways that um, other films uh, might not. I think the 70 to $90 million budget definitely helped with that. Uh, one that Eggers definitely could not get from A24. So he went over, went over to focus features for this one. Um, but generally I think, you know, Eggers is probably one of the best directors to tackle one of these old stories because we know for a fact that he is going, you know, l like him or hate him, he is going to come in with something visually unique and different from anything we've seen before. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like I do I do think I I have thoughts on what I, I feel like this movie is trying to say, but I don't think like I can just come out and say it just in, in the regular right. portion of the podcast. But yeah, um, I definitely see what's what's here uh it's just that what's here is not what i hook into when i watch a movie and when i when i really get into it which is kind of a weird thing to say because the green knight was my favorite movie last year and i feel like there's a lot of parallels you can draw between this and the green knight um but yeah there, there was there was just slightly more about the green knight that had me completely hooked in from from the start and I do think it has to do with how like the main character is portrayed. Like you, you do see Amlethir basically slaughtering an entire village, and it it becomes hard to uh, to really connect with from from that point on. And again, I understand you know, he's not supposed to be a sympathetic character, but I would have yeah. liked to have had something that held me throughout the movie rather than having to wait for Anya Taylor Joy to show up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so it, it it did kind of lose me on on the personal connection to the story. But once again, like every every thirty seconds, there was a shot that, uh, as as Aaron Dyser likes to say, you could pause it and just hang it on the wall and exactly. be very happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, you know, I saw the Northman. It's very difficult to get me to to strongly dislike or even hate a movie because, you know, I am the lenient critic. I look for the positives in there and um, not necessarily, you know, I, I'm not necessarily ignoring its flaws, um, but I do think the Northman, um, you know, 
in the way that it's very easy to get me to like a movie. You just have to have a you have to have a good story, good performances and, you know, great visuals. And I will, you know, more often than not love it. Uh, and this is exactly what the Northman does. And, you know, in that way, it is uh, speaking my language. Um, I'm sure, you know, I've heard and read a lot of discussion about this. Well, I'm sure we'll have a great discussion in our spoiler uh, section. But, um, you know, the Northman, I think I so I'm seeing it again tomorrow. Reevaluating it is going to be very interesting. I would have preferred to um, to see it uh, twice, I think, before this. But, you know, it's just not 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 how it works out, you know. Uh, but I, I, I am intrigued at how I will think about it when I see it a second time. Um, at least, you know, knowing what is going to happen. Uh, I just wonder how that's going to affect my experience, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. I wonder about that too, except I have no inclination to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. If, if I couldn't connect to it the first time, like what am I going to see new things in the right. characters that I didn't see before? You can hope for that, but you can't expect it. And if, if all that really landed for me was the visuals and the technical aspects then you will just be spending two hours, 15 minutes trying to see like new angles on the shots that you liked already last time. Right. You'll be, you'll be content with seeing, uh, with seeing the clips and the Oscar reels next year of the probably yeah. the sound. If, yeah. It, it'll probably get nominated oh, for a for couple sure. of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it pulls a dune and sweeps the, uh, the technical categories next year. Oh, for sure. But um, it, well, it really depends on is avatar two coming out this year. Uh, technically, yes. The very, uh, you know, uh, mid-December. I think it's coming out on my birthday, actually, this year, which is fun. Um, yeah, but, uh, the Academy yeah. loves James Cameron. So It's true. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, we're only we're only four, almost five months into the year. And we've already had everything everywhere all at once. The Northmen, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I honestly think this might shape up to be one of the best years in movies uh, ever um, by, 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 by the end. Who knows? As if you, as if I couldn't be more excited to finally see everything everywhere all at once. Right. Oh, it is releasing. It no, it's oh, releasing wow. here on the seventeenth. Right. 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 The seventeenth of May. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you this, but get that ass to a cinema as soon as you can. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm yeah. roundly uh, convinced by everything I've seen so far, and the only thing I've seen is like star ratings. I have mm -hmm. not right. seen a lick of footage. I have Good. not. Read a word of any review. I love it. So I'll just yeah, I'll just sit down and watch it and you know let it happen. I guess. Hell yeah! Well, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. Um, but uh, before uh, Chris sees every everything everywhere all at once, he will be seeing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm assuming. This is true. Um, yes. Uh, so that will be our first in the pre in our coming soon section this week. Uh, Doctor Strange is being released widely on May sixth. Uh, Chris, do you have your tickets yet? I have a ticket, yes. Nice, very nice. I uh, am, yes, yeah. Wednesday Wednesday night at nine thirty. Wednesday I, night. Yeah. Wow. Managed to snag a two D showing. Nice. Very nice. Um I am I have my tickets for Thursday at three PM, which is the earliest possible showing uh here in the good old US of A. Yeah. Um, I could have I could have gotten afternoon showings, but those would have been three D and interesting. Okay. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not no... not convinced by the three technology in my local theaters. Like right. the the glasses like darken everything, which which is you know attraction number one. And right. like I don't know, 3D doesn't really 
add anything to a film for me. But. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I, so I can't watch 3D anymore because, it, like, especially for a two-and-a-half-hour movie because it just hurts my brain. Um, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, the, yeah. The so, addition of, for, uh, for me is, of course, the subtitles are also in 3D. Ew, what? Yeah, that's that's disgusting. Right. <laughs> if if there's like a smudge on on one of the glasses, that you you just can't read subtitles. Right. Not that I necessarily need them anymore these days. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly fluent, but mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes you you just get a weird sound mix, and you just want to follow along with everything that's happening. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm assuming you are excited for this movie, seeing as you got a a, a ticket for as soon as you could. Well, I mean, this is the way I treat Marvel these days. If you don't have a ticket for opening day, you're, you're you know you're going to go in spoiled. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I am I'm I'm reasonably excited about this. Like the the thing that I'm most excited about is that the knowledge that this should have been out before Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how that affects it because they are addressing what happened in Spider-Man. They have to, right? Yeah. They have to. But I think that's also like where the where the trailer starts mm-hmm. like the yeah. fact that he was in spider-man and he did some stuff yeah which you know of course uh brings up questions that i've had that are probably not going to be addressed in this two-hour movie um like uh how does strange remember what he did with the multiverse if he did it because of spider-man who he no longer remembers but uh who knows i don't know well he probably remembers Spider-Man. He just doesn't remember Peter. True, Parker. he doesn't remember Peter. That's right. That's right. Okay, never mind, Chris. You just answered the question I've had for, for a long time. Uh in I mean in... that depends. Does he remember that he made people forget who Spider-Man is and therefore exactly. remembers that he once knew who Spider-Man is? Interesting. Very That's interesting. the real question. I, I again this movie is just a little over two hours. I highly doubt they are going to address all oh, of these yeah. uh so very there, important questions. There's a laundry list of things they will not be addressing in this Absolutely. film. Absolutely. Yeah. Including um, a man that crawled out of the earth and froze. <laughs> right, they will right, probably right. not talk about that. No. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, shoehorn a little like reference in there, you know, saying like, uh, like, hey, St- uh, Stephen, why haven't you been, you know, like Wong? Maybe m- since, since Strange is like a lower level sorcerer now, maybe that's Wong's job to handle because I know he's the Sorcerer Supreme now. Yeah, maybe. Um, but still, or they, yeah. yeah, or they'll have like uh, a news helicopter like circling uh, that giant statue out in the ocean and like right. weird things going on, and that's <laughs> that's all they'll do. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marvel has just got so big and expansive now that there is no way they can keep up with their own like very precise continuity. They can they can do the broad strokes very well, but in terms of how everything is released, I know like release dates are changing all over the place. So. You know, like like a very strict continuity, I think, is too much to ask for uh, at this point. Oh yeah, um, I mean, the thing, the, the main thing that that really bothers me about modern Marvel, and I, I think they've already always done this, but they never give you any sense of like date, mm-hmm. like when is this happening? Aside from and, Endgame, I think that's the only time they've ever really established a specific date. You know, like five years later, twenty twenty. Yeah, but even that is not specific. Like, you know, roughly, okay, it's five years after Infinity True. War. Okay, well, what does that mean? Right. I've seen a lot of, like, uh, like fan timelines on the internet that try to piece everything together, and it's it's all just very confusing. And I'm, like, and, and I'm the biggest Marvel fan I know. <laughs> uh, it, I, I, I can't even, you know, 
I mean, you know, if I sat down and like really read through everything very closely, I could get it, but I don't really care enough for that. I I will be content, you know, however they choose to present it to me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, basically the only thing we even know about Phase 4 is that Hawkeye is set at Christmas. We don't know which Christmas. Exactly. Right. We don't know if it's the same Christmas as the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, we don't know what the deal is with any of that. So yeah, all they all they give us is on Disney Plus. They have like a chronological order, right? So we kind of know, but yeah, I wish they'd stop. Most of all, I wish they'd stop saying present day, right? Because <laughs> it really depends on when you're watching the movie. Exactly, and um, the uh, I know the timeline viewing order on Disney Plus does have its drawbacks. Because Black Widow is right is before Infinity War, and if you choose yep. to watch them in timeline order for the first time, you are going to be very confused when she's dead at the end of that movie. Um, yeah, but like yeah. then they would obviously say like post credits aren't technically like they're they're stingers, right? They're not technically part of the movie. Right, right, right. But and and you know, of course, the movie is generally set before in, in Infinity War. But it's just you know, yeah. if you are starting it for the, for the first time. It's not the clearest way. I, you know, I, I hold, I maintain the fact that that release order is still the best way to watch things because that's how most people did. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so back to Doctor Strange, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so this movie has made almost fifty million dollars as of recording in pre-sale alone. It it is literally, which is more than the Northman has made in the time that it's been released. Oh. Uh, this movie is. I think at this point too big to fail with all the combination of Marvel, Dr. Strange, plus the pre-sales there is like, they are going to make all the money. Uh, even if it's a terrible dog shit movie, which I highly doubt it's going to be because we have learned, we got to trust Marvel at this point and they will come through. Uh, you know, there's the occasional Eternals, but aside from that and like even Eternals really wasn't that bad. Um, I know, I know I you it. liked it more than, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I liked it the most out of everyone that, that writes for Sif Bob. Right. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I saw am. more in that movie than there actually was. I, I can't wait for a rewatch on that because I'm pretty sure it'll drop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched it again with my family over my winter break this year and, um, it's, it's not that bad. It's just long. Too many characters, and it's just too long. Would have been better as a Disney Plus original series, um, I think. That is absolutely true, yes. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, generally, Doctor Strange, uh, yeah, I am incredibly excited for this movie. They released another trailer yesterday that uh, some would say spoils some of the cameos, uh, but I, I mean, if you had any... You know, if you had any knowledge of, you know, if you're on the up and up at all, you know that these characters were going to be in there anyway, since they're officially canonizing uh, what if here uh, based on the trailers, they're going to bring in stuff from the multiverse there. Um, all right. So the, I don't even need to watch this trailer to now to have a guess. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and just I, you know, I hope it doesn't become this this cameo fest. I don't think it will, especially because they have a very complex story to tell in two hours. And I don't think that they would spend most of their time on, look at that, look at that, look at that. I think that the the look at that moments are going to be very ingratiated in the storytelling. Um, and I, you know, again, I trust Marvel with my whole heart. I really, really believe in what they're doing. Um, so even if this movie is absolutely terrible, it's going to have the stuff in the trailers from it. I am going to love it. And I feel like that's just basically a given. 
What what does hearten me about it is it's written by uh, Michael Waldron, who also wrote Loki, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was not necessarily an enormous fan of Loki, but I do think that show works Mm -hmm. really well. Absolutely. I think everything about that show is paced very well. So I think you can you can trust uh, that writer with like two and a half hours of having to piece all of these things together. Um, it really depends on like how much uh, like throughput there is from Loki because at some point they're also going to have to acknowledge, hey, we've been making all of these series mm-hmm. um, because I think. I think they have, yeah. They've they've made some references within the series, of course, to like other other things that haven't shown up in them. But um, they've not made any reference to the series from the movies. And yeah. basically, every show ends starts where it ends up. Right, except for like if you, Vision, I guess, right. Well. Yeah, that that's going to be a hard one because like Vision is out there again. Yes, I I, I do think key. that that WandaVision will be. I mean, we know from the trailer that played after Spider Man that they are going to acknowledge the events of WandaVision, and there may or may not be some characters returning from there. Uh, maybe in a dream yeah. sequence, maybe in another way. So I do think that um, you know, with the inclusion of Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange, I think that that is going to be that is going to play probably the biggest role that the series have played in the movies uh, so far. Um, and, you know, of course, we're getting Captain America 4 somewhere down the line. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when Kate Bishop shows up in a movie somewhere and, and, and I'm sure Moon Knight will be a part of the next phase of the Avengers. It's all I think they're still setting the table uh, at this point. And, you know, when the meal is coming is something that we do not know. But apparently they're planning out the next 10 years right now. So we are going to uh, get a sense um, at least relatively soon. Yeah, I just hope that they can somehow. I mean, I'm I'm all in favor of expansion into some of the more absurd things. Like Moon Knight, I would have never thought they made into an actual thing. Right. Uh, but I'm I'm loving this this expansion to the point where okay, we can go into some of the more crazy things about <laughs> the 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 Marvel universe and comics. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that they can somehow keep it contained in a way that it all makes sense with itself. Like you, right. like we're we're obviously like Thor's been around, so there's been gods, but yeah, you're you're going to eventually show me like Wolverine show up in the Marvel universe and I don't know punch a god, and that needs to make sense. Exactly. Here, here's the <laughs> thing, though. Um, going back to Eternals, uh, this is becoming less and less about Doctor Strange, but who really cares? Um, <laughs> I mean, is, like at this point, every discussion about the, the latest Marvel thing has to also be a conversation exactly. about everything, right? Because um, there's no way, like this, this is not going to be a movie that stands on its own. Yes, absolutely. Um, so in Thor: Love and Thunder, we are going to meet the uh, the Greek gods, the Olympians. Who in Eternals, it is implied that the myths of the Greek gods were based on some of the Eternals. And, you know, of course, they influenced other cultures as well. Uh, I guarantee to you that Thor, Love and Thunder will not mention the Eternals at all. And we will be left to draw our own conclusions about the connections that they that that they share. Um, yeah, uh, I don't expect Marvel to explain everything. But as things become sort of bigger and bigger plot points, I feel like... 
they are going to need to address it. I don't, but I I just don't know if they will. Uh, again, I have trust in you know in Kevin Feige. We trust, but still, uh, I I'm not sure if there's a limit yet, uh, and I wonder if we will ever find out. I mean, like the they do have the freedom at this point. Like they have however many decades of comics to draw from, but they also have the freedom to like build out their own mythology within that. Like they can introduce things piece by piece and have them make sense if they, if they do it right. Like they're they're absolutely not going to say like, oh, Zeus is actually an Eternal. Of course, they're not going to say that. Right. But they have been working on Eternals and Love and Thunder side by side for at least some portion of time. Absolutely. Like yeah, Love and, and Thunder was in pre production when Eternals was being shot. I right. assume. I do, I do think that they have an idea of how it connects. It's just when are they going to tell us how it all connects. Exactly. Um, and when are we going to see Kang again? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So any other thoughts on Doctor Strange or just the Marvel Universe in general? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, yeah, we should probably talk about the movie. I, I really have. But because it's called the Multiverse of Madness... Like I am, I'm just completely wide open for it. I have no idea what they're actually going to be doing in this movie. I'm trying to see as little of it as possible. Right. I mean, even um, with all the stuff that we're hearing, we do not know the story. We know some story points, but we do not know what the hell is going on and how it all fits together. Which I kind of yeah. Love. We we know Wanda's angry, but how do we not know that that's not the first twenty minutes of the movie and then everything's okay? Exactly. Yeah. We don't. Um, which is, so, yeah. you know, which is why I think Marvel trailers work so well. I mean, the Thor trailer, I don't know if you saw that, Chris, it does not betray like any of the story at all. You know, it, 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 it it's more about character than it is about, you know, what happens in the actual movie. Um, it's basically just them just telling you like, hey, this is how Thor has reacted to everything that's happened in those other movies. And mm -hmm. this is the point where he starts the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I okay genuinely believe most of what we see in that trailer is from the at, at least the first half of the movie. Absolutely, yeah. But that's it's it's also only the teaser trailer, right? It's not it's a full trailer. Like it's there true. will be a full trailer where Christian Bale will show up for and sure. Do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Doctor Strange is in theaters on uh, May sixth. I will be talking about it on this podcast with Alice in mid May, which is going to be very very. Um, that's going to be another commentary track that's longer than the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, also coming out in the next couple weeks on May 13th, a dual release in theaters and on Paramount Plus is Firestarter, a new Stephen King adaptation of which I have not read the book for uh, that I don't have time to read before the movie comes out. Um, but I'll read it eventually. Uh, this stars uh, Zac Efron and uh, Ryan Kira Armstrong. And um, is essentially about a girl with pyrokinetic powers that figures out, hey, I can, like, kill bad guys and stuff with this. And Zac Efron, her father, says, you probably shouldn't do that. Uh, at least that's what I got from the trailers. Um, Chris, uh, do you have any expectations for this movie? And are you planning on seeing it? Well, uh, uh, when you when you asked me on the podcast and told me we would be previewing this movie was the first time I'd heard about this. Really? So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I have to admit, I have not read the book. I have not seen the original adaptation uh, of it either. I, I watched the trailer for this movie in preparation for the podcast. Um, and I, I, I'm actually wondering what the original did. In, like, there's a lot of things in this trailer 
uh, that make me think like, okay, this kid like has has sort of like thoughts of being a superhero. I wonder if that's present in the original or in the book, because obviously that's very, very pop culture. Mm. Like everything is superhero now. So I'm I'm wondering if that's for for like this new version or if that's part of the original. Yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, based on the trailer, the trailer certainly plays it up that way. So I wonder how the movie is going to handle that. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of um, I don't know if you've seen Stranger Things, Chris, but it reminds me of Eleven, the character of Eleven uh, from from Stranger Things using powers for what they believe to be good, but that might not be entirely morally justifiable. Um, uh, you, you know, again, neither of us have read the book. We do not. You know, we yes, don't we're know sorry. how it. Yeah, we don't know how it ends up. Uh, but I I don't know. Early reactions from this movie haven't been fantastic. I try not to read mm-hmm. reviews going in. Um, but it, it the trailer just doesn't make it look as unique as I think it 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 is honestly because Stephen King is a, a brilliant a, a, like a marvelous brilliant unique genius writer he, he's he's my favorite author and so him uh, you know I don't think one of his stories would be as bland as I think this trailer is showing it off to be but then again the adaptation process a lot could get lost in that. And a lot has gotten lost of that with Stephen King adaptations in the past. So I'm not entirely hopeful, but I'm not entirely pessimistic about it either. Yeah. And well, Stephen King is also kind of hit or miss, isn't he? Like he writes a lot. Right. So this could have just been one of those small ideas that he had that he like wrote in two weeks and then published it because he writes very fast. He does. So yeah, I don't know how to, how to really look at this movie other than it looks like it's trying to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more nuanced version of Brightburn maybe. Yeah. Right. Right. Maybe. I mean, you know, honestly, Brightburn probably lifted some from this story. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, again, it's like, the Nor- the Northman discussion, uh, you know, where does the story actually come from? You know, I- I'm sure Stephen King wasn't the the first one to put a story like that uh, out into the um, out into the world, but I'm sure he he popularized it as he was wont to do in the um, '80s when 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 the book was originally written. Um, but yeah, uh, so who knows? I'll probably watch this movie, maybe think it's kind of tepid, then read the book and say it's the best thing in the world. Um, that that uh, that tracks with me with 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 previous Stephen King um, adaptations, but uh, yeah. I also he... did notice because they don't mention this in the trailer, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but I did note when I was reading a little bit about what the story actually is, is that apparently like Zac Efron also has some sort of superpower. Weird. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, it's not mentioned in the trailer, but apparently right. he also has some sort of ability. Weird. Which yeah. makes it all all the stranger that he's like, okay, you you just need to keep it bottled down because obviously that's what he's been doing. But yeah, I really have no idea what to expect from this, and I'll probably watch it when it's streaming or something. Right? I mean, it's on. Like my my family got Paramount Plus to watch Picard, so I'll absolutely be piggyback uh, piggybacking on that to watch. Uh, yeah, that doesn't exist here, so I'm wondering if right. they like licensed it out to to some place. Yeah. So so you you just got HBO Max there, right? Yeah, and I've been absolutely loving that. Excellent. <laughs> More it, of that, thank you. <laughs> it is it is the best streaming service, yeah. Um, so do you have so you don't have Paramount Plus? I assume you have Netflix. Yes. And uh, like Amazon Prime. Yeah, HBO Netflix, Prime. Prime, Disney Plus, HBO Max now, and then we have a whole lot of um, 
like it's really weird. Like my ISP has mm. some sort of overall deal with like HBO. So there's HBO Max that exists now, but all the HBO content that would be on HBO Max for you guys is like on this little proprietary uh, streaming th- service that is part of my internet service provider. Right. Which is a really weird sort of like duality. Yeah. So wait, does your HBO Max have any HBO content? It has a lot of like HBO originals right. that uh, like uh, HBO movies and things like that. And then there are like certain packages that are licensed out, I believe, like on a, on a first come first serve basis to whoever wants it, I guess. Right. Or my ISP is sort of like a first look agreement with with whether they want something or not. It's it's a really really weird thing. I can never tell where something's going to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, international rights issues. I, I've heard are very strange. And when. At least here, when you look it up, it only says where something's available in the U.S. Um, I don't know if you guys can 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 look it up and see it instantly where it is there. Um, um, yeah, I mean, like uh, Letterbox has that just watch sort of uh, extension right. where yeah. you can you can switch your country there and you can see where something is available. So interesting, interesting. Every okay. once in a while, I'll check like where is this in America. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, like Firestarter hasn't been released yet, so it won't show up there as being available to stream right. anywhere. I'll have to wait until it's actually out to see if it's available. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll have to do some digging, like online, like, hey, where is this coming? And that leads you yeah. to like seven articles that doing a bunch of clickbait. And well, unfortunately, we don't have a date. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, so Firestarter in the U.S. is out in theaters and on Paramount Plus on May thirteenth. And uh, maybe theaters and maybe somewhere else in, uh, in, in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to end the show today, we will each mention something that we have been watching, reading, playing, consuming uh, from pop culture in the last couple of weeks or however long, uh, however, however far back we want to go. Um, Chris, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah. So I had to dig a little bit in my in my diary of... Uh on letterbox to see what i watched but uh last month or this month when where was it uh i watched a an australian drama called the dry uh starring eric banna um this is basically like a small town tragedy where eric banna is uh, a police officer who's moved away from that small town after a tragedy in his own childhood Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> and then he moves back for for a funeral where like that old uh, herd comes back uh, to the uh, to the surface, and there may or may not be like a link between um, these two tragedies that have happened in that small town. Um, like a lot of those small town dramas where like a, a cop has to investigate what's going on now and has to deal with what happened back then. Um, they all seem to bleed together for me. Like a lot of them are very similar, but I was really impressed by this one with how quiet it is and how much emotional baggage they actually managed to get into the story. Um, I think Eric Bana is very, very underrepresented in, in modern movies. I think he's a much better actor than his career has suggested so far. Mm-hmm. And this really was like, it's, it's from 2020. So it's, it's very recent. Um, but I, just, it struck me that I hadn't seen him in so long and he just puts in a great performance there. And, uh, yeah, for, for a lot of those small town mysteries, like also it's in, it's in an area that's obviously dealing with a drought. 
mm-hmm. um, which is why it's called a dry. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just just that slow boiling tension that that some some movies like these have. That's this one really gets to me. Like when 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 a movie can slowly build like some sort of dreadful presence uh, along the runtime. That's really what connects with me and i wanted to recommend this because obviously it's a smaller movie it's an australian movie not a lot of people may have heard of it um i think it's absolutely worth the watch excellent excellent uh, i know eric banna i haven't seen his hulk but i know he was in a hulk um film he was yes um and uh but i know him from a film that uh actually was set and uh, took place in my hometown uh he was in that so he came down to uh, to cape cod off of massachusetts um, and and film there for a while, and that was a it, it, it was a pretty big deal because Chris Pine was a was was down there too. So two re- oh that was the finest the hours. finest hours. Yes, I actually drove the uh, the boat that they used to rescue um, the crew members. I have driven that boat before. Um, cool, which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, uh, that movie is okay. Yeah, yeah, it it, it 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 was not good, but it made so much money at my local theater because and I think it played it did, there. Yeah. It played there for like for like two two solid months, selling out almost every screening. It was absolutely insane. I think we were number two in the theater for that movie. Uh, sorry, hmm. uh, n- number two in the country uh, for for that movie. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so yes, yeah, so that is the dry. And uh, let me see if where it is available in the U.S. Uh, it is available on Showtime in the U.S. Or you can get the Hulu uh, extension. Uh, where is it available in uh, uh, where you are, Chris? Oh, I've watched it on on that that service that my internet service provider has. So oh, nice. it's not an HBO movie, but right. they source it um, from other places as well. Apparently, which yeah. is really weird. Um, obviously, of course, if you if you haven't seen Troy, uh, Eric Bana is mm-hmm. plays Hector in in that nice. movie, and he is far and away the best thing about that movie. Yeah, I um I need to watch that movie when I go home in just about a week. I'm going to sit down and watch at least one movie a day, uh, knocking off all the major ones that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, so I'm that's a lot of movies. <laughs> There's a lot oh of major my movies. God, so many, so many. Uh, I am fully prepared uh, to not have any time to do anything else this summer, but that's fine because um, movies are great. Uh, yes. I am going to talk about a movie that is out on Hulu today as we are recording this, April 29th, 2022. Uh, this one is called Crush. Um, it is a, uh, a cute little coming-of-age story. Um, uh, little makes it sound Im- uh, like, like it's made for kids. It is not. This is a very, very R-rated movie. Um, directed by uh, Sammy Cohen, who was lovely. I uh, was able to interview her for The Lenient Critic, actually. She was my first ever interviewee, um, which I was I listened awesome. to that today. You oh, you did? Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so that was, that was great. Uh, and this movie is very, very uh, sweet. It is. It has a heart of gold. It has a uh, nice LGBT love story right at the center. Um, and uh, the cast is great. Uh, a fellow Rowan in the lead, Rowan Blanchard, um, and uh, Aluli Cravalo, who played Moana, is her love interest. Um, apparently, uh, they do not like each other in real life, which is which I'm sure would have made this movie very interesting to uh, to to film. Um, and I was not about to ask the director about that, <laughs> um, but that is just that is just something that I, that I heard. It is uh, it is that that fact, if it is indeed true, is very lost 
um, on on the film because they they do work very well together. Uh, and the supporting cast is wonderful. It does really feel like it's emulating uh, Mean Girls. In fact, one of the characters is doing an impression of one of the characters from Mean Girls, which is which is kind of fun, but gets a little distracting uh, at times. But other than that. This is this movie is really cute. It's really harmless. It's really fun, and it has some great um, themes concerning uh, art and and free speech and just um, uh, identity uh, in general. So yes, so Crush is available on Hulu uh, if you are so inclined to check it out. So I assume that would be Disney Plus in the in the uh, uh, Netherlands. Is that where you are? Yes, it is. Um, it should be on Disney Plus. It is not showing up Interesting. now. Interesting. Um, but I believe like Fresh took a while as well. Took a couple days yeah. or a week or so to, to be on Disney Plus. So I don't know when this came out. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is out uh, today as we're recording. Okay, so, so it's very, it, very new. It may just not have been updated yet on the Just exactly. Watch thing, and it might be on there. Otherwise, yeah. I'll check in a week or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, the dry and crush are available on these services that we mentioned. Uh, Chris, where can people find you if they would like to see more of your stuff? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. You can just type in my name, Chris Bucker. That is Baker with two Ks or Chris Batkinson. And you'll find yourself on my page on Letterboxd. I abstain from any other form of social media. I am mentally healthy. Thank you. I... Yes, I agree. Although I have not abstained from from social media, it is a perfectly great decision that I endorse wholeheartedly. Uh, however, I am all over social media because I want people <laughs> to read. Uh, I want people to read my stuff. Uh, well, that's at, promotional. That doesn't. It's count. true. It's true. It's true. Um, I am at bits of Joel on Twitter, uh, and um, the uh, you can also follow the lenient critic on Twitter at lenient critic. That's L E N I E N T critic. And keep going to the leniencritic.com. I have a lot of fun stuff uh, lined up for May, uh, including which would have come out yesterday as this is being released an interview with Shakespeare and Love director John Madden, who is coming out with a new World War II uh, drama on uh, Netflix in the US uh, later this month, which is going to be great. I've seen it. It's really good, especially if you are a fan of history and the time period. Uh, and John Madden was also a very uh, lovely interviewee. Um, and uh, yeah, so just keep checking back. Give the podcast five stars. It means a lot. Um, on uh, Coming up on May 13th, uh, so, so the next episode is the conclusion to my overview of the Friday the 13th franchise with uh, Heath from Sif Pop and Jonathan from Cinema Sins. Uh, we had a really great time uh, counting uh, those down and just talking about it and uh, making a definitive ranking at the end was much easier than any of us expected. Um, so, uh, Chris, I want to thank you very much again for joining us. Anytime. And uh, if you uh, if you haven't yet, uh, well, no, I guess you should you would listen to this before the spoiler one. Uh, but we are going to record a spoiler one right after this, so go check that out as well. Um, so uh, my name is Rowan Wood. That's Chris Bacher, and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. 